we've been in this disciple series. We're talking about being with Jesus. We're talking about becoming like Jesus, and we're talking about doing what Jesus did. And uh, one of the things that people don't realize is Jesus was always part of a small group. He always had a small group of people that he lived with, that he shared life with. And, and he loved praying in private. You know, he would disappear sometimes into the wilderness and be with his heavenly father. And so that's important. He loved the scriptures. He meditated on them. He spoke them. But he was always part of a small group. And, and we just don't think you can follow Jesus well unless you have people on the journey with you. And that's what Group Sunday is really all about. So I want to talk to you about this today. And I just, we've been in this, in this series and I've been kind of describing what a disciple is, and we've said that a disciple is um, really talking about love and obedience and the tension that is there. You can't love God and not obey him. That turns into a lie. You can't obey God and not love him. That turns into dead religion, right? So there's this love and obedience. Jesus, thing, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I, I want you to do. And what I've, as I've been meditating on that over the last several weeks, what I've realized is when love and obedience fuse together and become the same action, acts of love, acts of obedience, when they are unified, they become one. You can't tell the difference between love and obedience because they represent the same thing. And I think that's what Jesus intended. And then we talked about how it's relational and not informational. It's not curriculum. We're not stressed out about curriculum. Hello. <laughs> then the second thing we talked about was it's, um, or the third thing we talked about, it, was, it, is, it is intentional, intentional. Everybody say it. Intentional. intentional. <laughs> it's intentional and not accidental. You don't wake up one morning and go, huh, I'm a disciple, it just came on me. Yeah. No, you actually, you actually have to decide to do some specific things. In fact, I haven't, I haven't shared this yet, but there's a whole bunch of verses in the scriptures where Jesus says, if you don't do this, you can't be my disciple. We're gonna talk about that in weeks to come. And then today, we're gonna talk about how disciple Making, being a disciple, is cyclical. Cyclical, not linear. And, and I'm gonna talk about this from a couple of different points of view. I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life when you said to yourself, I thought I was done with that. I thought I was done with that, and here it is again. Like, why am I struggling so hard with this fear or this failure or this foolishness again. I thought this was gone. Now I'm back in the same place again. How did I get here? If you've ever experienced that, you are not alone. It's happened to every person in this room. Every person in this room. And I'd like to comfort you and maybe challenge you today to think differently because I, there's, there's something that God is interested in in your spiritual growth that we don't see it sometimes. I've called it in my life um, 
this thing where I end up being back at some issue in my life where I've got I've to deal with it again and I've got to relinquish control or I've got I've, I've to work on surrendering to God again. Um, it's really obvious. I've, I've called it the selfishness cycle. The selfishness cycle. When I was in college, I remember the, uh, kind of being awakened to the fact that I was selfish. I had a dorm roommate, and uh, it was just so easy. We didn't get along very well, and I could realize I was selfish. I was kind of living for myself. So I realized it. I started to try to be nicer to my roommate. I went on a, I signed up for a missions trip. I went on a missions trip and to a third world country and realized how selfish I really was because I've been indoctrinated by consumerism in the United States and I don't realize what I actually have and that was all good for me. And I was like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Like, God has helped me to be more loving and giving and selfless. And then I got married. I thought I was really awesome. I was ready to get married. Like, I thought I was like, man, I'm a good catch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought that's what I, I thought that's what it was. And then suddenly I'm in my first year of marriage and I'm realizing how selfish I really am living this close to another person all the time. Kind of all came apart when during our first year of marriage in a little 500 square foot apartment, one bedroom, she locks herself in the bathroom, sits on the floor, and I can hear everything she's saying in that bathroom. It's only a 500 square foot apartment. She's crying, I want my dad. <laughs> the point is, she was doing that. She was doing that because I was so selfish. And so then, I started to, read, started to read some marriage books. Went to a marriage conference. Repented to my wife for being so selfish. And I just started working on it. And Jesus was gracious to me and, and started working in my life. And I was like, I, okay, I, I got to give all this up. All the manipulation, all the control, all the things I want, seeing everything in my relationship from what I can get, not what, what, what I should give. And God worked in our marriage, and we, we made it out of that first year. <laughs> and, 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 and this summer, it was 30 years of wedded bliss. What an incredible, incredible journey. I love this woman now more than I ever have in my life. So I felt like I was doing really good, and I was, you know, we're, we're doing really good together, and I was, I was being selfless, and I was taking care of her, and I'd come home and make sure that I was like, what do you need, sweetheart? And it was all good. And then I had children. <laughs> what? What? what is this? What is this strange world of children who only poop and cry? And occasionally coo, but who cares? <laughs> they just take and take and take and take and they give you nothing back. <laughs> and suddenly I realized how selfish I was again. 
And then I had five of them. Well, I had five of them because I was so selfish, it took a long time to work it out. Here's, here's what I want you to get. All of us have experienced that kind of thing. It's called real life. And what disciple making is, is a response to real life. To real life, what's happening in your life. And what we're learning how to do as Jesus followers is surrender to him in every way, every area, everything in our heart, learning how to be selfless people rather than selfish people. Learning how to see the world as he sees it rather than see the world through our control-centered lens. And it doesn't happen because you did some nice curriculum. It, even though curriculum can be good, I'm not against curriculum, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you some today. <laughs> um, I, I, it's not because um, you can just like dig down really deep and try to change. No, there are things in all of our lives that we don't even know are there until life shows us that they're there. And it is at that moment that we need God to show us who we are. Now, if you understand your identity, in each of those moments, in each of those seasons, you can look to him for the solution for the solution, no matter how painful, no matter how hurtful, no matter what kind of loss, we can look to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith, as it says in Hebrews. But I want you to see that God sets everything up in our lives, not just in our lives, but in our world, in fact, all of creation is cyclical and seasonal. It's God's design, and he made it that way for some important reasons. Seasons and cycles are built into the very fabric of our created world. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons the days and years. The wisdom of Solomon teaches us in Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Also one of the best verses from the Bible used in a movie. Anybody know what the movie is? <laughs> Footloose, come on, come on people. Starting to show our age. Here's what I want you to see today. God's creation is based on seasons. Summer, fall, winter, spring, planting, fertilizing, watering, harvesting. Now the problem for us is we don't live in an agricultural society anymore. So we don't get this. We don't get it like our grandparents got it. We don't have an appreciation for seasons. Um, but seed time and harvest, is, they are big subjects in the Bible that illustrate the seasonal nature of the world we live in, and that seasonal nature applies to our lives. Because growth can't happen instantaneously. You can't come out of the womb knowing how to juggle. 
You can't, you don't come out of the womb and during that first year grow to be six feet tall. Like there's something that we have to understand about our spiritual growth that is similar. Cities have seasons. Austin has seasons. You know what season we're in right now? Where did all these people come from? We're in a season where that's a, we're struggling with that just all across the landscape of our city from, I mean, from fire and police and having enough and from, from development and markets and pricing and people. I mean, it's just everywhere you look, we're just living in the middle of this. What I want you to see is there's a reason, <laughs> I didn't plan to say this, but I'm gonna say it. There's a reason for the season. I'm not going to say that again. Didn't, didn't feel good. Families have seasons. You have seasons. I remember when we had five kids, 12 and under. Oh my gosh, it was such a hard working time. It was so difficult. That's why in parenting, I realized you don't need wisdom, you need energy. It's like, it's like you gotta have, gotta have energy. Um, there's different family seasons, teenagers. That's a whole different season, man. I mean, it's a whole different vibe in our family over the last few years, trying to figure out how to interact. And let, don't even get me started on being a parent of adult children. Whew, it's tough, it's tough. I love my adult children, but you're, you can't, what happens is as a parent, you become addicted to control and directing, and then you can't wean yourself off it fast enough. <laughs> and then you want to control everything they do, but you can't because that makes the relationship weird. Like, it's terrible. And don't even get me started on watching them go through pain as an adult. Oh. Here's the thing. Church life has a season. Do you remember where we were? Two years ago, locked down. Just like online church, what? I don't like online church. Like, <laughs> if I had a nickel every time I heard that, I'd be rich. But what I learned during that time is if you want to connect, you'll use any means possible, and it is possible. We started to learn what it might mean to live in a society where it's not all about convenience and consumerism. But we didn't like it. And now that we're kind of out of it, we're starting to gravitate back to convenience and consumerism as our primary thing. And disciple making hits against that very thing. Because we don't like certain seasons. There's certain problems with certain seasons. Some people love winter and hate summer. So it's not automatic for everybody. But winter is a season where it feels like nothing's happening and it's, everything's dead. Everything looks dead. But it's not. Summer's when everything's burning up and you're, I mean, we've been in the middle of a drought and the grass is horrible, it's awful. It looks like it'll never come back, and then a little rain shows up, and bing! Like, you gotta make the connection to what growing in Christ looks like. 
Spiritual growth is cyclical, it's seasonal. It's not a clean, linear process. It's not a A, B, C, it's much more interactive and seasonal. It's much messier and organic. It's not as neat and tidy as we'd like it to be. And we're using this specific, you know, this specific definition on purpose because disciple making is seasonal and cyclical. We've, 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 um, articulated this, def- this definition, it's disciple means a lifelong learner. You never stop. Never stop growing, never stop learning. You just start growing in different ways. You're a lifelong learner, follower, and friend of Jesus who helps others become a lifelong learner, follower, and friend of Jesus. Disciple means a way of life, and that life is interactive within those seasons. And so you have to respond to God in different ways in different seasons. And he's going to call you to do different things in different seasons. That's why I'm asking each of you to go with us in this semester because as we've come out of the last two and a half years of just craziness within our our own culture, I just don't see a way forward unless we change the focus of our church. And so we're working to, to... to drill down and ask the Lord to reframe our picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus who helps others follow Jesus. That that has to be at the center of what we see ourselves as. Because listen, this life is hard. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's hard. Do you know, Jesus says you can gain the whole world and still lose your soul. You can become a hollow empty person and you can have all the stuff it's dangerous out there we need each other and if spiritual growth is cyclical and seasonal then there will be seasons of great surrender for you and me seasons of surrender Luke 9 23 says it's Jesus and he's speaking he says then he said to the crowd if any of you wants to be my follower you must Turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross. How often? How often? And follow me. Here's what you get out of that verse. We don't just surrender once. I didn't say a prayer 30 years ago and then, "Eh, it's it's held me up ever since. No. There's a journey that God takes you on. And he doesn't want you to fall behind. He wants you to follow him. That means he's going somewhere. And if you're following, you're going somewhere too. You're here following him. And in these different seasons, these different things that come up, whether it's you're snowed in, or whether it's so hot and you're in a drought, or whether you're in this beautiful fall season where it seems like everything is perfect, or in spring where you're starting to dream again. These are all part of the spiritual growth process. And sometimes there are long seasons of surrendering. There will also be seasons of stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. Stewardship are the seasons in your life where everything seems awesome. Matthew 25, 21. 
We hear Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Yeah. I love it when everything's going right. And I tend to think that finally, I've got it down. I'm get, this is how it's always meant to be, right here. This is it. I'm gonna live the rest of my life this way. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. There are times when your life is going so well, you feel blessed, you feel good. You want to post all the time on Instagram and show life how good it is. Seems like you have more than you need and that also means a test. That means a test of your stewardship. This is the way things go in life. Paul said in Ephesians 5.15, he said, be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of, what does it say? Oh, sorry, I thought he had it up there. Making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. What, what he means there is evil's always lurking. Good news, Holy Spirit's always lurking too. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit has more power than the enemy has. And if the Holy Spirit lives in you, that means you have more authority than you realize to deal with whatever your season you're in. The problem is, seasons often last longer than we think they should. <laughs> Except for the good ones. Those always are shorter. But so many seasons last longer than we think they should. The story, one of the stories in the Bible, one of the many stories of waiting in the Bible, and if you will start to read the stories of the Bible and realize how much waiting there is. God gives a dream and then he processes it for years. That's a process of growth and maturity. Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody likes to quote it. It's awesome, it's a, it's a promise verse, and I agree, you should hang on to it. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not disaster, for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Hang on to it. What you may not know is when that was said to God's people, they were about to enter into 70 years of captivity in a land that was not their own. It was crushing to them. And we don't like to think that way. We're like microwave Christianity right here. We're like, I prayed yesterday. <laughs> like we, th we, we think that we can speed through the seasons. We can't. You can't. You can't force your way. God wants to lead us through seasons, but so often we want to give up in the middle of them. We want to give up in the middle of them. We want to give up surrendering. We want to give up sowing and reaping. We want to give up being selfless. In a season of struggle, we give up. In a season of blessing, we stop giving out and start using it all on ourselves. The lie, here's the lie. You gotta get this. The lie is, 
this season will never end. You're trapped here for the rest of your life. It's never, it's never gonna be different than this. That's the lie. And it is a lie because all of creation and all of life and all of our spiritual lives, all of the, this life that we're living, it is seasonal and it is cyclical. And the hard time will not last forever. The devil's lie to each of us is it'll never change. You'll never escape. You'll never be able to get it. Winter feels like it's long and everything's dead. But God's word to you is spring is on the way. You don't see it yet, but it's coming. Spring is on the way because spring always comes. The sun always rises. It is built into the, God's faithfulness is built into the fabric of creation. And that's true for your life as well. So how do I live well in every season? Number one, I surrender. A surrender season requires great faith. Huge faith. Like trusting that this season isn't gonna last. Like you gotta put your faith in God. There's a better one coming. You don't know when it's coming, but you're gonna endure. So what do you do? What do you do when you are in a surrendering season? Here's what you do. I will seek God every day. I'll trust him and I'll stay steady in the crisis. I won't freak out. I won't make all the decisions. I'll wait. I'll be steady. I'll be patient. I'll listen to others. Over and over again, I think we see it in the scriptures. People who are steady in the crisis. Number two, stewardship season. Stewardship seasons, those are seasons when everything seems awesome. Those require greater faithfulness. Faith is about risking because you don't see it. It's about hoping because it doesn't seem to exist. We live by faith and not by sight. But faithfulness is about taking care of what God's given you and not believing that this season will last forever. This good season that you feel like you're in, it won't last forever, so you've got to make the most of every opportunity. So what do I do? I'll seek God every day. <laughs> Notice it's the same. I'll seek God every day, diligently prepare for what's next, and make time my friend. You ever heard that phrase? It's a good little phrase. I suggest it to you. Make time your friend. Make time your friend by making good decisions that will stretch out in front of you that will determine lots of good things once you make the decision. And you can make time your friend whether you're going through a surrender season or a stewardship season, whether you need faith, great faith or whether you just need faithfulness. You can make time your friend by making really good decisions. If we understand the seasons of life, we know we, you can make it through any difficulty. When you understand the seasons of life, you save money when you have it. We aren't fearful of that this chance will never come again. You know, that's always a line to get you to buy stuff. It'll never come again. This is a once in a lifetime. Oh, my experience tells me it's very rarely a once in a lifetime. 
We stay even, we stay steady, we don't freak out. It's just a season, we know this. We have hope. We're good stewards, we're generous, we have faith. I was with a group of pastors and I heard just this phenomenal talk on how the pastor's soul is the most important thing in his church ministry. And we had this talk about it. And what I, what I, what I, what I remember hearing and what, what the scriptures that were shared and the church father quotes, right, from, from long ago, historical quotes from the great fathers of our faith. Do you know what most of the Bible, you can see it in Jesus' teaching, you can see it in Paul's teachings, you can see it in the, in the church fathers, you can see this idea, and I want to suggest it to you today, do your own research. That the reason for living our time on earth is to prepare us for heaven. That's a way of thinking about your seasons. We don't really like that in American culture because we want it now. I want it now. What's that girl's name? What? I can't hear you. It's Charlie the Chocolate Factory? Is that what it is? Yeah. I still can't hear what you guys are saying. Anyway, I'm talking, not you. It's fine. Listen. Listen. We don't understand that very well. But if we are eternal as people, and everybody's going to live forever somewhere, guess what God is doing? He's preparing you to live like he designed you. He's preparing to live like he designed you, to live forever, to live with him in heaven, in eternity. We don't understand everything about it, which is why we have to have faith, which is why hope is where we, where we live. We need to retain this kind of perspective. We're, we're gonna end our time here with something unique. I'm gonna have you turn around and talk to each other in a small group. I know, I knew your face would be just like that. It's like, <laughs> I have to talk in church? The reason we're spending so much time on this subject of being a disciple and the reason we're gonna spend the whole fall series on understanding what it means to surrender to Jesus is we, if we think about it, the thing we have to conquer is our busyness and our isolation. That's what, we, that's what most of us, that's the thing that pushes back on our faith and our faithfulness. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do a group. I, you know, I'm kind of busy. Do you know, what the, you know what the most consistent feedback I'm getting is it's kids' sports that knocks people out of groups. And that's, and that's a problem. Like, like, knocks people, like whole families go off the tracks for baseball. They go off the tracks spiritually for third grade basketball. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mention football because that's really the sacred cow here in Texas. <laughs> but how ridiculous is it to lose your kids spiritually because you just never committed to a group of people to walk through life with and teach each other how to follow Jesus? It hurts my heart. 
We got all kinds of groups all around the tape, all around the circumference of the room. All kinds. We got Financial Peace University. We got Parenting. What's your let's name of your group? The Nurtured Heart Approach. It's so good. You know what it essentially is? It's about how to disciple your kids well. It is about that. Is that good? Is that a good accurate? How to? While continuing to live in relationship with one another. I love it. There's actually, there's so, but, but for the most part, I've asked everybody to walk with us on this message series because I want to teach us again. I want to renew our commitment to walking together. I want to renew our commitment to practicing the ways of Jesus together because I don't think anybody can do it alone. 